Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Just like you heard at the start of the show, that was Ricky Baez. I'm JC. It's my pleasure to be back here with you. Ricky was taking a uh, sip of, yeah, a sip of a tasty drink right there. Let's see. What was that, Rick? That was water. 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 Yes. That's right. Water for a thousand, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> hey, too soon. Too soon. Is it really? Is it? Uh, I what's, don't know. what's the statute of limitations on something like that? I mean, I guess it depends. The more famous they are, the longer the statute of limitation should be, right? Right. I think. I think that I should know, be man. that it's... should be dictated by how famous. No, you I, are. I, I agree. Well, okay, I understand that part. I, I, I guess it's just kind of like it's uh, it's it's iconic in a way. It's it's one of those things that like it, it became the fabric of society in a way. You know, saying something like that. It did at some point. Now everybody's too too sensitive, and I know I just said, oh, too soon." Whatever, yeah, fine. I think I think the uh, you say, five thousand. Why don't you say a uh, thousand for a uh, 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 thousand Mayim, uh, Mayim by Alec? <laughs> it doesn't have the same ring. I'm sorry. Or the thirty other or the host that they have are they done? Are they done? Had they selected a new host, or yeah, are they going to yeah, play yeah. Wheel of Host now? No, I think it's Mayim Bialik is the official host of the uh, the Wheel of Treasures or whatever it's called. We can't <laughs> we, we can't say the official name on air. You know, they're not paying for an advertisement, and I'm not going to plug them. But you know what I mean. Wheel What's of a- Treasures. Yeah, <laughs> Wheel of <laughs> Treasure. <laughs> you and too. Johnny Depp. <laughs> oh, jeez. What All right, case. Ricky, what is in this bed? <laughs> I think it's a treasure box full of poop. Mm. Too soon. <laughs> too, <laughs> too soon. <laughs> oh, what you know what? Mess. I want to ask you about that, the way that you just yeah. said that. Uh, 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 how, uh, say that again. How did you say that? A, a box full of a treasure? It's a treasure chest. A, bo- a box treasure chest full of poop. Okay, let me ask you about that. There's going to be okay. someone out there who is offended by what you just said. And we have done programs in the past where we've played clips from people that have been slightly risque but still relevant to the world of human resources. We mm-hmm. have uh, years ago, I mean, this is episode 300 whatever. I mean, we're not into thousands now. yet, but we've been going for four yeah. years in the early days. Yeah. You know, we'd get some people together and maybe even have a uh, a frosty brew and a little fireside chat. You know, there's been raw discussions on the program. There's been uh, rather candid conversations and very professional mm-hmm. ones at the same time with some very high profile guests. Right. So when when you talk about a box full of the P word, um, aren't you worried that that's going to come back to haunt you? Aren't you concerned? That that's going to be something that people hold against you. Ricky Baez said the P word. <laughs> so normally what I would say to that, I don't know in any circumstance or any situation where that phrase could be used against me. However, the way social media has been these past five or ten years, I should be concerned, right? Because reg- I don't know what's going to happen in 15, 20 years where people are going to be offended. People might be offended by the color blue in ten years, right? And then I'm in trouble because that's my favorite color. But I. I used to not care. And now I'm like, God, social media, everything is preserved. Our shows are preserved. You realize our great, great, great grandkids are going to listen to this, right? That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It's time to guess the future. Guess the future featuring (laughs) 
Efrain Ricky Baez. Guess the future. Okay. Guess the future. Okay, so here it is. Mm-hmm. Question one. Your great-grandkids are going for a job. And your great-grandson has the exact same name as his dad, which was the same name as his dad, which kid. is the same name as you. <laughs> and all of your brothers. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now we have a situation because there's probably five generations of Ricky Baez and everyone's got the same name and it's okay. But now things get gently confused between records over a span of time. And this young gentleman in the future is going for that job and they find a clip and they want to hold it against him because Ricky said the (laughs) P word. What happens? I think I know what happens. This bit right here, I know I I was shocked by it. You you surprised me by it. I'm surprised by it. So it's making me realize that I need to stop the trend of naming my kids after me. And I have to have my kid stop that trend of naming his kid everybody is. Just because of this bit right here. Yeah, just just name your son Blake. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm going to name him, Blake Depp. Chad. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Chad. Just use the whitest names possible, Ricky. I was going to say yeah. the most, the name that's farthest from Puerto Rican that could possibly yeah. be. Yeah. You'll Jameson. Say <laughs> You're a jerk. Jameson Bias. Can you imagine? <laughs> now, here's the thing. My Jameson great grandkids McCallum. is going to come back and listen to this. Yeah. They're going to listen to this. I'm like, oh my God, that's where my name came from. Because now that I put it out there, my grandkid is going to name his kid Jameson. Watch. Jameson McCallum Bias. Look at that. $5 bet today, where in 30 <laughs> years, it'll be a lot less. <laughs> there you go. How do you let it go? How do you let, how, okay, let, let's go to a serious tip here instead of the little bit. Um, okay. How how do you let go of of a past? How uh, you know we we have an entire generation that's coming up and jumping from job to job. They they great re what's that? The Great Recession. What what are we the in right now? The Great Recession. The oh. Great Recession isn't here yet. Oh, <laughs> Give it yeah. time. No, that's <laughs> yeah, later this time. year. Right, yeah. right. Later yeah. this year. Uh, <laughs> so the Great Gas Surge. No, the Great uh, Resignation. The Great Resignation. Right. Um. Mm-hmm. So many great things going on. And and uh, when we look back at these very bigly times, there's amazing things uh, taking place. So so uh, all these big words aside, dude, you got people going from job to job. You got life changing all the time. And you've got people that grew up through social media, people that have grown mm-hmm. up with this technology that can provide great value to your business, to your organization, amazing personalities, different trains of thought. uh different perspectives from different areas of, of, uh, and cultures within not only the United States, but the world. Yeah. Where do you draw that line in, in your onboarding and in your promoting of individuals within your organization to say, look, I found that thing that you did on social media, Ricky Baez, <laughs> where you said the P word. We know that meant poop. You said mm-hmm. that on that episode and we don't like that even though our company is called duty scoops so <laughs> right because it promotes their competitor who uses the uh, keyword so so to that at what point do you draw the line rick come on man i'm i could drone on with this example but where do you draw that line between saying 
look, that was that was where I was. This is where I am. So a lot of a lot of people in Twitter space have experienced this. Now that I'm comparing myself to a celebrity, but Kevin Hart is one of them because Kevin Hart says, says some things about the LGBT community about 15 years ago that really got him in trouble right now, 15 years later. Right. And here's what I say to that. If somebody was to hold something, uh, some words I said 15 years ago against me now, that maybe may not be a, uh, it may not be something that is tolerated these days, but it was back then. I'll say that. Look, back, I said that at a time where that term was relevant. It was the alternative to say the S word. Now, I say the S word right now, 30 years after that, somebody might get upset about that. Dude, and you, I find an alternative 40 years later, somebody's going to get upset about that. You call me stupid all the time. Yeah, no, you call yourself stupid all the time. There's a big S difference. Word, or the, which oh, is S that word? what you meant? <laughs> the alternative for poop. A oh. vulgar way of saying poop. I'm not going to say oh. it now. Because yeah, people will get upset. Isn't the whole uh, like letter plus word thing a little weird, though, too? At some point, the letter plus word thing is going to replace the actual word. Just yeah. give it time. Yeah, no, and, and and you reach a point where you run out of letter plus words. <laughs> it's like if you block every single scammer that calls your house, next thing you know, you've blocked everyone's phone number. No one can call you. You, <laughs> you know? can't trust anybody, JC. You can't trust anybody. You know, I, it's, I hung up on my mom the other day because I didn't trust her. I don't know if she was coming after my social security number, although Dude, she knows it. It's like the M word. At the end of the day, Mamau? Mofongo. <laughs> you know? Like, All I'm saying is every person that speaks Spanish um, understood both of the things we said. You understood one, <laughs> I understood both. <laughs> There's some people driving right now. I'm like, did he just say the what I think he said? I'm going to get in trouble for that later. It's okay. No, it's, it's going to happen. It's food, though, right? Uh, Mofongo is food. The other thing is not. But look, JC, here's 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 what's happening with this great resonation. And 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 it's funny you bring that up right now because I just about an hour ago I got home from a client's office where I was doing the same presentation with them. And the big concern is what are we going to do to stop the bleeding? What are we going to do to stop that bleeding? People are leaving left and right. Thirty eight percent of the people who are leaving don't have another another job locked on. They don't. Right. Because this pandemic has taught them the power of being independent. This pandemic has taught them the power of going out there and doing your own thing in the gig economy. You and I have been talking about the gig economy before it was a thing. Yeah. Right. So now these folks are jumping ship and these and these leaders, these business leaders are don't know how to stop that bleeding. So the conversation needs to shift to why aren't they sticking around with us? From that to what do we need to do to keep them here? And when you start asking that question, you have to go down the rabbit hole of really doing a stay survey. Now, there's an exit interview and a stay interview. And yeah, I know we've well, talked about on, both. Hang on a minute, go though, Rick. I'm not, I'm not trying to bust your flow here, but, but stay interviews, come on, man. If you're, not, if you're not existing and living within a culture of trust, if there is there no trust go. that's being built... You're never going to get the, the 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 positive rate of return that you're looking for to to make change. Well, JC, that's the thing, though, right? Because so many people focus on the exit interview, and you get raw, unfiltered data in the exit interview. That's the good thing about it. The bad thing about it as an about an exit interview is that it's too late for that person. The person's already jumping ship. 
So the next best thing for you to really be proactive with it is to do a state interview. But you're 100% correct. State interviews are worthless if there isn't a culture of trust in the organization. They're going to say, everything's great, boss. Everything's awesome. So to be even more proactive than that, you got to start building relationships to build that bond between you and your employees. That way, they're not afraid to tell you what's happening in the organization <laughs> where your leadership is poop. That's it, right? So, uh, yeah. I'm glad everybody's laughing. That's awesome. You know why they're laughing? Poop head. They're laughing because <laughs> the answer and and the solution for this was something that was on the table years and years and years ago. You lived it. I lived it. Yep. And there's yep. a lot of veterans that lived it as well. And when you think about the, uh, the, the surge of mentoring over the past 20 or 30 years, yeah, that's cool. It helped. That's awesome. But if you're not talking to your people on a regular basis, it doesn't even have to necessarily be documented. I'm talking touch points. I'm talking regular conversations. Knowing yeah. who the person is. Look, you used an example going back maybe 200 episodes about a guy that walked in to get to know his workers, brought a notebook with him and, and started, <laughs> what? I am here to learn about you because I care. He's probably listening what right now. <laughs> is your name? <laughs> you know? And I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Maybe that was his style. Maybe he was just starting up. That's fine. But at the end of the day, like, Having regular discussions, getting to know your people, changing the culture through actual discussions where you're putting yourself on the line as a leader to where mm. you're being vulnerable and letting them know, look, I don't have all the answers, but if mm -hmm. you come to me honestly looking for help, I will do what I can to teach you. I'll teach you how to fish. Some people aren't like that, though. So so in this era of the, of the thought of the frozen middle which goes back 350 something episodes yeah. now <laughs> to the very beginning yeah and and it's it's not going away anytime soon you're you're starting to reap the rewards of that now as people are jumping ship and going places so do, do you have to do a stay interview or a quote exit interview every friday just cuz maybe <laughs> you know what let's do it thursday afternoon so then that way i could decide who i fire on friday like is it <laughs> is that I mean, where where do you go with this like okay we want to move the needle from A to B. Currently, we do biannual reviews and we document everything accordingly, et cetera, et cetera. And we feel that's good enough. What's our, what's our first step? What's our baby step to get going to build that culture of trust to have a regular conversation with an employee from the HR perspective? From the HR perspective, it literally starts at the onboarding process. It starts with the onboarding process. As soon as a person says yes to the job and they go to new employer orientation, you know who should be greeting those employees at new employer orientation? Not HR. That person's manager. That person's manager should be the first person to greet that person coming in the in, into that room, into why, that why office, do you say into that? that world. Why do you say that? Because that's the person who they're going to spend the most time with from there on forward. You're not, chances are, you're not going to see HR that frequently again, unless either you're really great or really horrible, right? But <laughs> <laughs> that's it, right? Oh, those no, no, are, no, wait, wait, wait. Uh, un unless it's open season. There's another time. 
you might hear from <laughs> <laughs> so yeah or yeah open enrollment right yeah, open yeah, enrollment yeah. come on in yeah so no yeah it, it's so that leader needs to be there right and more often than not the leader doesn't really get involved until orientation is over and training is over and that's a huge mistake right because when you know the these new employees to build relationships with the people they're not going to see as often and the people they are going to see as often is a perfect stranger so I rather start it from the very get-go when as soon as the person comes into the building, the manager kicks it off. HR does orientation, but the manager checks in during training, the manager's doing debrief at the end of every week, and you start building those relationships. When you start doing that and building that bond, you take away, you chip away at the need for a state interview. Now, if you haven't done that, that's fine. Then just do start doing state interviews. I suggest starting every six months. Every six months, start a state interview. But JC, this is the part that gets everybody. It is it is far worse to do a state interview and give the employees the 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 aura that you're listening and you're paying attention and you do nothing with it than not doing a state interview at all. So if you're going to do it, you might as well give them that idea that yes, I am listening to you, but also. What you're doing with that information. Once you get that information, you let them know what you can implement and what you cannot implement. And what's more important, why you can't implement it. At the very least, you let them know that you're listening. If you do those often enough, at some point, you're not going to have a need for a state interview because now you're constantly going to be having open and honest conversation when you're not going to need a formal process. And you can make those changes on the fly. And there it is. Why wait? Why wait to every six months? Why, why wait to every quarter? You should, you should be having discussions like you and me are talking right now. This is the way that people should be talking amongst their teammates, among uh, leaders to, to managers or leaders to employees that they, they should be talking like this on a regular basis, on a weekly basis, on, on, if, if you want to build a schedule, build a schedule. If you just want to do a daily stand up. You have a daily stand-up. Hey, what did you do yesterday? What are you doing today? Do you have any blockers? Leave it simple, something mm-hmm. like that, which I'm a huge fan of that culture and environment, but that's an interesting story for another mm-hmm. time. Um, but you're talking about from onboarding on forward and taking the baby steps to get this going. Cool. I got gotcha. you. But now it's all about who you're onboarding. So you're, you're choosing to onboard the people that, uh, that are squeaky clean, the best of the best. It doesn't matter if they completely fit the culture. They they went to Berkeley. They know their stuff. They align with your vision of what you like to do on the golf course. You see <laughs> yourself in them. They you you kind of view them as the grandson you never had. I can say that to you because you're an old man, Ricky. So <laughs> thanks. <laughs> like, are you are you really gonna are you gonna roll the dice on the person who uh, might have a record? Are you going to roll the dice on the person who's looking for a second chance in life? People deserve a, a, a fair shake. Are you going to roll the dice on the person that went to school at, at say, uh, you know, the University of Alabama? And, and when they won the national championship, they partied a little <laughs> extra hard. And now those pictures haunt them for the next 20 years. I, I don't necessarily care about that, JC. I, I, I really don't. Because at the end of the day, if you fit the culture. Then yes, you're on board. Now you got to get the minimum skills to require for the job. But if you don't fit the culture, I don't care what school you went to. I, you know, look, you know what? You and I get along. We've been we've been doing this show for a long time. I've yeah. known you since the mid nineties. Keep, keep right? saying that. 
<laughs> but but if you wanted to work for my organization, I'm like the culture. You don't fit that culture, brother. We're gonna go out and get some beers, and we're gonna have a conversation as to why you shouldn't be there, right? Because you're gonna be miserable. You're gonna make everybody else miserable, right? Not because of you, just because of the clashing cultures. So I rather be upfront and honest and say this isn't for you. But it also goes back to teaching leaders how to hire the right person. Which is not the person with the most skills, it's the person with the most compatible skills for what you need them to do at that time, or maybe five years from now where you can build up to it. All right, man. But you've so you gotta have that, that foresight. You built that. Do that. You got them. You got them in. They're here. You, mm-hmm. You're growing. You're doing your thing. And, and now it's like 10 years down the line. You, mm-hmm. You've had an amazing time. It's a great run. And you've got three candidates that are all within your teams that are all rock stars, and you want to do something more. And every single one of them is viable. And the one that you have the best vibes with, has a little bit of a past. They did a keg stand. There's a photo. They said the P word on a podcast, meaning poop, right? Uh Like there's these things that come out. And now, now you get along with all three, but two of the three come to you. They're like, man, Ricky, have you seen what the face of the franchise did on a Carabas card? Like next thing you know, they're pulling you aside (laughs) and starting to take your perspective of... The way the the image that's portrayed by the individual, how people grow, people change. But at what point does your past get left behind you? And at what point does it does the leader take that into account and say, you know what? It might be best if we don't go down this path, because 15 years ago, you ate my fungo after doing a keg stand. (laughs) Boy, that sounds like my Tuesday night. Um, Look, um, here's here's. I'm going to give you Ricky's perspective, but it's not necessarily what is happening out there right now. Ricky's perspective is, look, as long as they're not doing anything illegal, and as long as they're not doing anything that will paint the organization in a negative light, who cares what they do outside of work? Believe wait, 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 it or not, wait. You say now? Have, you say currently, like right now, if they're not doing it, but like not in the past? Like if they did it in the past, you'd be cool with it? I'll be cool with it. What does that have to do? People have a life outside of work. It just so happens that now people, myself included, are happy to document that life outside of work and preserve it for eternity, <laughs> right? <laughs> so you have to be okay with that. But people evolve, JC. People learn. People grow. Like, look, if if at 18 we were doing keg stands, or hey, if the law is listening, 21, right? Or Louisiana, 19, doesn't matter. Uh, Puerto Rico doesn't really matter at all, right? So you're doing a keg stand, <laughs> right? Um, at some point, I have to grow out of that. Now, I got to tell you, if I have a 48-year-old Frank executive, the Frank right? the Tank. <laughs> no, it's Hank, right? Hank the Tank? Sure. Hank the Tank? Yeah, 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 that one. Um, it's just, I see a 48-year-old doing that, right, on a regular basis. In Modesto. And you're an influential leader, <laughs> right? I'm sorry. I'm going to have curious questions about that. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, JC, if the person does a great job for you, it'll behoove of you to leave them alone on their personal time. Leave them alone. Unless what? They do something that's embarrassing to them. And you know, you got some people out on social media that do a lot of homework and they bring it together on LinkedIn. Then the organization is forced to take some action because now they were forced into it. All right. Let's elevate this. Let's elevate it one step further now. We're not just talking about an employee. We're mm-hmm. talking about your your leadership circle. We're talking about someone who you're going to bring up to be a senior vice president by your side. Does that change things? It doesn't. 
It doesn't. Um, and I'm smiling because I just had a situation that a few weeks ago, which I'm not going to talk about. But politics where, and perspective are a very big deal. In what sense? Uh, in the in the sense of maybe procuring business or maybe in the sense of uh, obtaining new business. It really depends on what you're doing and, and your industry. Let's you say your mm-hmm. words on the podcast using the P word come back to haunt you as they consider you for a senior vice president position uh, at the call center where you're selling uh, extended car warranties. <laughs> okay, got it. And because your voice is recognizable, they're not going to move forward with you in that capacity. Although you are the best candidate. Let me give you a more detailed, real answer, JC. I once had an employee who was who was a, a hardcore, and I mean hardcore Trump fan. Hardcore. And you see this on social media all the time, what he does, right? And he's at rallies, he's doing all these things, right? Where where I mean he's not hurting anybody, he's expressing his free speech. But when he comes to work, not one peep of it. And he is able to have conversation with people who do, do who do not like Trump, right? I rather have that person on my team who is able to separate his personal beliefs with what needs to happen at work and is able to do that because trust me, that's a skill. I rather have that person on my team, and I kept that person on my team because they're able to 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 have those differences of opinion, or not different opinion, is able to have that personal belief and still come to work and not let other people's far right or far left personal belief um, really mess up the relationship they have, right? That is a skill that before 2016, nobody knew was necessary at work, (laughs) right? Uh, But it happens. No, it's been that way for a long time. Really has. It's just I mean, more more relevant now. Yeah, so. I mean, go Roe versus Wade. Go with anything that's controversial. People bite their tongue and go to work, and they work with others all the time, all the time. And do you see what happened at Google? No, what Google did. Tell me, Miklas. I'm going to bring it up. Miklas, David Miklas, our friend, uh, our our employment and labor attorney friend, who here in the show, he put it over on on uh, LinkedIn. I'm going to have to find. You say it. friend of the show. He's he hasn't been back on the program in like a year and a half or two. It doesn't mean he's no. not a friend of Listen, the show. I'm calling him out right now, David. You're overdue <laughs> to come on. You are overdue. Okay, now uh, is yeah, the time. Yeah, he is overdue. Now is that the time. is true. No, so I'll show you. Um, while I find it, here's what happened. It, it's so I'm paraphrasing the VP of HR over at Google. Um, it, it's I guess there was a situation with this whole Roe versus Wade thing that's been happening in these past couple of weeks, and there were some people that were really outspoken in one way and really outspoken in another at Google. And what the VP of HR said: All right, no more conversation on that. No more conversation about abortion. No more conversation about pro-life. No more conversation about Roe versus Wade. That is a mistake. That is a mistake because what you're saying is your employees are not capable of having an adult conversation. Now, some people that may be true, but to put a blanket statement like that to everybody else who is capable of having a conversation, now they feel alienated. And that's got to be most of their organization. Google is an amazing brand and they have great employee, employee brand loyalty. 
But here is, why don't we do this instead, JC? Instead of stopping people from having conversation, difficult conversation, mind you, why don't we give them training and tools to have those difficult conversations? That way, you're able to, to identify when the conversation is getting a little bit crazy. You're able to kind of calm yourself down. And instead of trying to prove the other person wrong, how about trying to understand where they're coming from? If you give them those tools, not only is that going to help them in their interpersonal relationship, but could you imagine? Imagine what those HR people can do with the business partners, having those difficult conversations that way. I can tell you exactly why that's not going to work. Why? Because you used a lot of words. So if if it was, if you're talking to operations and you just said, hey, we have a mandatory training for you tomorrow, you have to show up and bring your entire team. And then they show up, they get that training, they get that word. And then after the fact, you says the stuff you just said, it, it would probably go better. It would probably go better, you know. It's just look, me. Look, look. It's it's. I've been in several situations, JC, where um that has happened. Where I propose a training. All right, we'll do the training. The employees come to the training. They enjoy the training. They go back to the office, and the boss says, "All right, that's over and done with. We're not going to do that crap here." There it is. There it is. Yeah. So, 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 how do you a, crack? How do you crack that nut? That's a leadership problem, not an employee problem. Let's do this. Right. So now before you do that training, before you even think about a training to be on the schedule, you got to provide training to the leaders and let the leaders know, hey, this training is coming down the pike. Your employees are going to go through through this training. But before we go to this training, let me teach you how to create a culture where this these tools can be used out in the open. Go ahead. And if you are not in the capacity to say that to the leaders in that direct manner, you may have to assemble a team to pitch the concept to the leaders to then have the leaders enforce it that way. But Ricky's exactly correct in the sense that if you are in that capacity, own it, own your shoes, step up to the plate and say, this training is coming. Don't feel, don't feel the need that you have to pitch it, just own it and then own it own it to the end of days to the point where maybe you even have to get fired over it, right? No. Okay. <laughs> no, don't do that. Okay, no, but let's come talk on. about that real quick. Let's talk about that. So let's go back real quick. So yes, if you're if you're in a position where you're able to be that influential, awesome. But what if you're not? What if you're not and you bring this up to leadership and you really put a compelling case on why this is important? You really put a compelling case on how this is going to help the organization move forward and help these two different groups really have a good, healthy conflict. Healthy conflict is good if it's done right. But if leadership still doesn't want to do it, buddy, you got a choice to make. Either you, you take it and you stay there or you say, you know what, I'm not going to be a part of this and move on. But if you're going to stay there after you tried it and they said no, you staying there acknowledging that you're okay with what's happening. You're okay with what's happening then. Because every organization has the option to do that kind of training and be proactive enough or be reactive and do a training after the fact after something blows up. But for you to stay, and I've seen those employees who stick around way longer. I've seen employees who stuck around with an organization for 25 years, and 24 out of those 25 years were out, were, were overstayed their welcomed, right? But they stuck around. Why? Eh. They tolerate me. Eh. I don't want to go anywhere else. Eh, but they keep complaining about it. Dude, if it bothers you that much, that much go somewhere else. You, you have to understand what is doable. You have to understand what is doable and what you can apply when needed. 
What are your okay. constraints? What are the official outcomes? What are your risks? Refine and prioritize what you need to do and just stay focused on what is doable. And if it's not doable, if what you're talking about, if the direction you want to go is not doable, absolutely. You have a choice to make. Do you want to stick around? Is that your culture? Is that your environment? Are they looking to collaborate and, and improve continuously? Or are they just wanting you to shut your mouth, understand <laughs> you're not going to get promoted because you did a keg stand 20 years ago? And at the end of the day... Does something happen? You keep bringing that up. Does something happen to you? No, nothing, oh, okay. actually. Got it, got it. It's just a real poor pictures. example, but <laughs> let, let's go to a more serious example. There's there's people out there, people I've known, people I've worked with in the past that have gotten out of prison, that have gotten out of prison after mm. doing time and have not been able to obtain jobs. And some of these people have gone on to start their own businesses and be yeah. vastly successful. They've been absolutely amazing. But then at the same time, there's individuals that can't get their foot back in the door due to the bias due to the bias that's instilled in people's minds, you know, mm -hmm. uh, or the bias, right? Ricky bias. <laughs> oh, oh, that's what you meant. Bias. Code. <laughs> I got it. Right. Uh, um, th there's, there's a hurdle to overcome there and it doesn't necessarily have to be a keg stand. It could be a political choice or decision like the gentleman that mm -hmm. you mentioned a little while ago. It could be, um, uh, incarceration. It could be something that had, Maybe taking their license away. Maybe they are one of the best drivers in the world and they don't have a license anymore. You know, there's they, small things that could turn into big things that could turn into ripples that change your life drastically. It, 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 let's talk about the incarceration piece, because I think it warrants a conversation because that's different. That's different than saying the P word. Right. Because there is there is a financial impact for the organization with if they hired the wrong person who's got a felony record versus somebody saying something that may not be socially acceptable. Right. And, and, and here's what I mean by that. And before I say this, JC, it, and, and you know, this, I believe everybody deserves a second shot. I believe that. But what happens is if you got somebody who went to jail for, let's say manslaughter, and that person served 15 years. They get out. They spend another 10 years helping kids stay out of trouble, helping kids stay out of uh, out of uh, gangs and jails. They work with the city and the mayor and the police department. This person paid their debt to society, and they're even paying even more to make sure that nobody goes down the road that he has. Right? That person deserves a second chance. They do. But because they have a felony, this is what happened. A lot of organizations would not give them, the, give them the second chance out of fear that in case they do something in the organization and they kill somebody, then that pass is going to come back and haunt the organization and the organization is going to get sued for negligent hiring. That's the, the, the financial impact of it, right? Now, me... I see somebody like that. I'm going to give that person a shot. Bad choice of words. An opportunity. I'm going to give that person an opportunity to come back. Now, if you come to my interview that I'm interviewed for this position um, on the afternoon of the morning that you just got out of jail, yeah, let's wait a little bit. 
<laughs> let's wait a little bit. Let's go ahead and, and have a conversation later on. But there's other industries where they can do that. There's industries that historically has hired people with with um, with that kind of a background, and they gave them a second shot. This happens a lot in a blue collar industry in the labor market when it comes to construction, all these labor positions, right? Those positions right there, they 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 tend to cater and give these folks a second shot, and I'm glad they do. But it really depends of what kind of past that they have. And and how that's going to affect the organization in the future because the leadership is paying attention on what this hire is going to bring to the organization, whether it's positive or negative. Waterbury versus New York City Ballet Incorporated. Um, Waterbury involved claims made by a ballet dancer whose former romantic partner, also a dancer with the company, engaged in a pattern of harassment, including taking and sharing intimate photographs without the plaintiff's consent. The trial court dismissed the plaintiff's negligent hiring and retention claims. However, the appellate division reversed that. The appellate court stated that in a negligent hiring and retention claim, the plaintiff must allege that an employer knew of its employees' harmful propensities, Mm. that it failed to take necessary action, and that this failure caused damage to others. The plaintiff in this situation met these requirements by alleging that the New York City Ballet knew implicitly encouraged and fostered a culture of exploitation of young women and that its dancers were degrading and exploiting young women and took no steps to stop the conduct. Uh, it's an example of this contact, uh, conduct um, in, in a negligent hiring practice there that doesn't necessarily relate to your felony conviction story. But when when we think about negligent hiring and negligent hiring and retention claims, negligent retention opens up a whole nother can of worms when you're thinking about (laughs) these situations, man. I've got a great example, something similar to that, but more serious. Um, There was a situation here in Florida. um, I'm I'm trying to find it where a big box um, appliance company, they hired this one gentleman who had a background. Who who know who who had a past right of of being very very violent at work, but they didn't know that this person had that past because they didn't do reference checks, they didn't do a background check, but they hired this person, and then this person went to deliver washers to this couple, this elderly couple in Boca Raton, Florida. That couple was found slain. And that and that couple was murdered by this guy that was hired by this organization. And this guy robbed them, killed them. It, it, it's it, it was this whole nasty deal. So when they started investigating, they found out because obviously you're going to look back in this big box store and you're going to ask, "What well, didn't you know this?" And here's what happened: they didn't run a background check. They didn't call for references. If they would have called for references, they would have found out that the last person this job had, the last job this person had, I can't believe I said it that way, that they were fired because they beat somebody up in the cafeteria. So now this organization is being hit with negligent hiring. Because obviously the family of the uh, of the victims are suing the organization. How can you inv- how can you hire this person? And here's the thing: if they would have called. If they would have called those references and checked the previous um, employer, they would have heard, yeah, we we let him go because he did A, B, and C, right? Then, okay, don't hire the person. No harm, no foul. 
But because the organization did not do their due diligence to make sure they got the right person on board, now they're being sued, and it's becoming a big issue here in Florida. There's for, a for great that particular job. question there, background check. So when can you ask about a person's criminal history? Before you make an offer. Now, what, what, what? No. Let me take that back. Let me take that back. Let me take that back. I almost screwed up there. I call myself. <laughs> right? So here's the thing. Right? After you make an offer, and here's why. If you do it before, if you run a background check before, you're going to be privy to information you're not supposed to have that might get you in trouble if you don't hire the person. So it's better to hire the person, to, to make the offer and give them a contingent offer that says, upon successful p- uh, passing of a background check and a drug test, this job offer stands, right? But you've got to make that job offer first. Now, the question is, how far back did you go? It depends on the position. If it's a regular position when you're working with somebody, yeah, seven years. Not 20 or 30 years. Now, if you go work somebody like a, it's a big organization like the FBI, something like that. Yeah, they're going to have to, they're going to interview your neighbors, <laughs> right? That's how far back they go. So really it depends on the organization and that type of an inquiry should be done after an offer is made. Ban the box legislation. Are you familiar with it? Ban the box? Ban the box no. legislation. I am not. So ban the box legislation just prevents you from asking about criminal history before you're ready to make an offer. When you're ready to make an offer, you can do a background check, which involves asking about convictions, which aligns exactly with what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Ban the box legislation is uh, kind of like an emerging thing. I, I think it's 35 states and 150 cis, uh, cities have passed ban the box laws, and some additional states have fair chance legislation. Ultimately, It means that you can't ask the applicant about convictions on a job application. However, just like you said, and aligning with this, before you're ready to make an offer, but when you're ready to make an offer, you can do a background check, which involves asking about convictions. And it's a slippery slope. Um, Rejecting people based on criminal history may violate the Civil Rights Act of 1964's title VII. (laughs) May. Title, May. That's Title it's Seven. Not that it will. Yes, Title song. Seven for the title people who, who haven't heard the show. Title VII. Uh, EEOC Commission says there's two key points when considering how to treat convicted job candidates. They say Title uh, Seven or Title VII prohibits employers from treating people with similar criminal records differently because of their race, national origin, or another Title Seven protected characteristic, which includes color, sex, and religion. Title VII prohibits employers from using policies or practices to screen individuals based on criminal history information if they significantly disadvantage Title VII protected individuals such as African Americans and Hispanics, and they do not help the employer accurately decide if the person is likely to be a responsible, reliable, or safe employee. Stop real quick. Stop real quick. It's I got to touch on that, JC. Yeah, go ahead. I got to touch on that. And that, that was the end the of the, that, that was the me. end of the ep- excerpt, by oh, the way. Got it. He, here's, here's what gets me with that. What you just said right there tells me. And, 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 and by the way, I know what you're reading. I've read that a million times. Yeah, and yeah. every time I read that, I, I, I always get to this point. A lot of people do. So I'm very happy that you're, you're doing this right now because it's a big question a lot of people have. So, so here's the thing. Isn't it odd? Or isn't it interesting that the EEOC recognizes that the judicial system in the United States, it adversely impacts 
one race over another. What you just said right there makes that insinuation, right? Because you're saying you cannot use that you as a, a determining factor, right? right? So every time I see that, I'm like, it says it right here, but when we talk about it, about it in a bigger space, no, that's not the case. Well, look at VII. Shit, I said it. Oh, crap. I said the S word. <laughs> you just said the C word. I said, oh, my goodness. Oh, I said the G word. <laughs> See, this can go all day long. <laughs> no, but v- Title Seven recognizes it. But here's the thing. After you make an offer, the same thing's going to happen anyway. Because if something comes back, right, you're not going to hire that person that just killed somebody five years ago. If you work, if you're going to have somebody work in a pharmacy, you're not going to hire somebody that was convicted of drugs. If you're going to have somebody work at a bank or do you or work with, a, no, you don't. Or do right? you, do you give the candidate a chance to explain themselves? Oh, well, you know what? Hold on. Thank if, you for if, saying if that. If the conviction relates to the job, yes, you could move forward with rejection, but do you give them a chance to explain? So let's so let's get into those details. Yes, a good common practice is if something does come back, right? You give the candidate an opportunity to respond and say, "Hey, this came up. What do you think about it?" Blah 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 blah. All right, tell me about it. I don't know if it's going to change anything, right? But as a as a leadership group, we have to make a decision whether this is a good hire or not. I'll do you one better, JC. Some people, some candidates are going to let you know, "Hey, you know what?" I know that 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 um uh, this interview is going great. In the case you offer me your job, I got to tell you, I got arrested ten years ago for ABC. Here's what happened: they're being open and honest with it, right? You're in the background; nothing comes back. What do you do? Do you take the person's word for it? <laughs> you check the box, right? You ran the background. Well, check the box. I shouldn't use that. Ah. Uh, uh. <laughs> well, I ran the background, but if you documented, like I tell all of my hiring authorities, I tell them you document every information they tell you, but be careful what you document because it could come back and bite you later on. If the person said, I did this 10 years ago, you pull a background check, it doesn't come up. If you documented that conversation, you might as well make believe it's true. Because if you hire that person, something happens that references that, you get sued, there's documentation of it, and now you're in trouble. Right, just like when they uh, self-disclose things about their medical history, their sexual orientation, uh, their their <laughs> hidden perceived race, etc., right? Why do people do that? These past three years, I've seen a lot of resumes come through where people put their picture, people put their religion, well, people put their... It's, it's a new culture. It's a culture of trust. Uh, people aren't judged by these things. Put it out there. Why not? This is me. But you give... But you're putting Devil's so advocate. much opportunity out there. You're putting so much opportunity out there to be discriminated against. Just don't throw, don't throw it in there, right? I don't know what your political official... Uh, uh, affiliation has to do with your job unless you're working for a political campaign, 
right? Obviously, right? <laughs> if you're working for a a specific uh, uh, a candidate, you want to be able to to let them know what political party you belong to, right? And obviously, they're going to check the one that belongs to them. But outside of that, there's no reason for you to mention that information. And then, you know what? I train all of my managers to be personal with these candidates, but to a point, you cannot be so personal that now you're having conversation you should not be having at the early stages of the interview. Right. So, like, I have prior experience installing hidden microphones in hotels and smashing servers with hammers. Like... Like that. Now, right. JC, here's something. Equal it, opportunity it, there, by the way. Well, yeah. In today's class um, with the uh, with my client, we were having that conversation about some great tips to interview. And what I tell people is when I interview, um, when we get to the final stages, I take them to Chili's. I take them to a restaurant. And the reason I take them to a restaurant for that final interview is because I get them out of the office environment where they're really stuffy and they're really nervous. And you put them somewhere where they keep their guard down and you just have conversation over baby bat ribs. Nothing wrong with that. Right. And then sometimes they no. what's wrong with baby bat ribs. Nothing, JC. Nothing. Morton's is better. You take me to Morton's. I'll give you the best interview experience you ever had. Chili's, it might get rough. Depends how much flair the server's wearing, right? <laughs> I'm not going to argue with that because you're 100% spot on. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. All right. Look, if I got to interview five people, my budget doesn't have the amount of money involved to go to Morton's every time or Horton's every time. It's, not, it's, it's just not going to happen. You know right? what? Why don't, why don't you take all five? Why don't, why don't you take all five and just do a whole vote you off the island thing as the meal moves forward, right? <laughs> Uh, well, at some point, I, I guarantee in about 40 look, years, it's going to happen that way. Everyone stays at the table as things progress through the discussion. Candidate A, we let the server know. Separate check for that individual. <laughs> and we just, we just keep, keep moving across the table. <laughs> or... or. Give me your address. Once we're done here for wasting my time, I'm sending you this Invoices. bill. <laughs> Invoice them. Brutal. No, but when you when you take people out of the office to really have a good conversation, they let their guard down. And when they let their guard down, they give you really good information for you All to right. act on. Should should you even have a guard nowadays? Should you really have a guard? You've got a professional face. You have a professional demeanor. You have the professional this, that, or the other. But if you're starting to build a culture of trust, should you even have a guard? Well, that's when you break it down, right? You break it down there when you start having those conversations, bro. At Chili's. And whenever somebody interviews, everybody's putting on a face. Everybody's putting on a front. It always happens. But if you take them out of that environment, they start telling you things that nobody will tell you, like how, I it don't know, how they happen. stole... It doesn't no, always happen. No, Not so always. I found that e- I found that either amazing information or horrible information. Either way is good information. Amazing information. I may have. I was interviewing this one person, and as soon as I mentioned Excel, man, her eyes got dilated. She started getting goosebumps. She started geeking out on Excel, right? And she started geeking on it because we were outside of the office, and she felt comfortable in having that conversation. All right, now that's I know when where I going. knew. Yeah. That's the person I want. Now, the opposite of that conversation could be when the person is so comfortable and they tell you something like this. You know what? I'm so glad. I'm so glad you're this cool that you take me out to having these uh these conversations. My last manager was a freaking a-hole and I had to steal his car to teach him a lesson, blah, 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 all those things. That is a true story. 
And I'm just like, <laughs> okay, yes, I'm wiping my fingers to get the check because <laughs> I had baby bag rib sauce all over them. And I'm like, oh, so you're, now you're a car thief, right? <laughs> and they tell me all these things they've done to their boss. That's not somebody I want to hire, JC. But that's a conversation that I don't think would have been realized if but, I was in the office and they were stuffy. But they were never convicted. You can't find it on the background. You you still documented that conversation, though, didn't you? <laughs> but that's the thing. I would not hire them, though. I'm like, yeah, because I'm, I'm documenting the crap out of that. I'm like, you did what? <laughs> there you go. And then when the uh, when the attorney or the uh, or the judge is looking through my documents, like, Mister Bias, I got to tell you, I have never seen all these ev- any evidence at all that's been doused in ba- in barbecue sauce. Look at this. Oh my so, goodness. So do you take the same discretion, the same approach, the the same thought process, and apply it to uh, social media situations as you're onboarding candidates? There's no checkbox for do you have previous convictions or felonies. There's no checkbox that says, uh, did you ever do something goofy that's documented on Facebook or MySpace or Bebo? (laughs) (laughs) Wow, Bebo. (laughs) There's there's nothing like that, right? So so do you do you take the same approach if something comes up there in the background and and. Well, you're running background. Are you running their social media? What if something comes up through social media? Do you give them the opportunity to explain in the same way you would give someone who's been previously convicted the opportunity to explain? If it's something that I should address as a potential employer, then yes. Now, that begs the question, why am I looking? Why am I looking at the social media account? Right? There's a million dollar question there. Now, it's I, I God. I don't remember. I don't know if it was this show or a different show. I'm sorry. Where we had a con- no, it was a different show. But I had a conversation with somebody about do we do hiring authorities or HR actively look on social media? And I confess, well, of course you I'm like, do. you know what? I do. I do. Here's the thing: if it's open for the public, then I'm gonna see what's happening here. Oh, they like to party. They like to do this, right? Um, now I tend to do it after the fact. <laughs> Right. Because I don't want I don't want anything to come back on me to say, oh, you discriminated based on this because you do find out some information you're not supposed to know on social media through the the hiring process. But once a person come on board, I tend to look at it. Right. But here's the thing. What if I see this person, for example, let's do marijuana. I see that person smoking weed. Right. Now, if their job has got nothing to do with the drug industry or operating heavy machinery, they just pulling a lever or making widgets. I honestly don't care, JC. I don't care, right? I know that some states it's recreational, other states you need a license and federally it's illegal all the way around. So, but to, from my perspective, as long as you come to work, you do a great job and you go back home, you don't hurt nobody. I don't care what you do at home, right? That's none of my business until when? Until somebody brings it to light and says, look at Johnny. Johnny works for Acme Company. He smokes weed in the morning and he goes to work high. I have to look into that. I have to look into it. Because if I don't look into it and I ignore it and something happens, he gets hurt. I'm now going to be sued. The organization is going to be in a heap of legal trouble because they had reasonable suspicion to look into it. They decided not to. And because of that lack of action, now somebody's hurt. So now I'm, my hand is forced. So 
I guess my answer is, and, and, and I know some people don't like this, it depends on the situation and what I find. Now, if I see some stuff on there, right, that you're hurting puppies, you're doing all these kinds of nasty things, yeah, I don't want you in my organization. Now, JC, all right, I think I mentioned this to you before. This happened to me and my team about five years ago, right? We were doing new employee orientation. Now, my team is all religious, right? Um, and we had this guy who started new employee orientation that we were doing the three truths and a lie game to, uh, to break the ice. And one of the things he says that he's a demonologist and everybody picked that as the lie. He's like, no, actually that's true. So obviously I'm going to ask, I'm sorry. <laughs> What's well, a demon, a demonologist. It's somebody who studies demons that freaked out my entire team because my entire team is Christian. And they're like, Ricky, we can't hire that person. I'm like, why can't we? That person studies demons. And I'm like, okay, what does that, what does that have to do with work? And they paused. They're like, well, 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 no, but that tells you a lot of, about him as a person. I'm like, no, it tells me that he studies demons. <laughs> That's all it does. <laughs> right? It doesn't tell me anything. They got really uncomfortable until I said this. I'm like, imagine if somebody said the same thing about you. Oh, my God, this person believes in Jesus. This person believes in this or that. And they didn't want to hire you because of that. Forget that it's illegal. <laughs> Forget title VII. Now I'm saying it. See what happens when I hang out with you? I say things that are not title seven <laughs> folks. That's how you say it. Don't listen to JC. No, but then I turned the tables on them. Could you imagine how you would feel if somebody wanted me to fire you because of what you believe that stopped the conversation? Like, okay, so where's the line, Ricky? The line is if they're trying to push their agenda, their ideas down somebody else's throat, that's when I draw the line. They're starting to hurt people and making fun of other people because of what they believe in. That's differently than theirs. That is where I draw the line. When somebody tells me I need to not hire the person because of their beliefs, team, that is where I, I, I draw the line. And they got it. They got it. So really, it depends on, on the situation and how you react to it, bro. Do you ever take the Elon Musk approach if you're being accused? Being accused of something bad on social media? Do you What's the Elon Musk approach? Yeah, do do you say to the person making the accusation or someone made the accusation to your employer, do you turn back to your employer and say, "You know what? I know that it was a anonymous source that gave that to you just like you described. I know this anonymous person isn't in the room right now either." But let's have that anonymous person specifically describe exactly what transpired. You take ah. the Musk approach and call him out on the table. I'm willing to have a candid conversation about it any time with an open mind. Should anyone desire to have that discussion? And they bring something risque to the table. Now, in the workplace, because it's been brought up and you're willing to talk about it, but it's something you really shouldn't be talking about at work. What do you do then, huh? So, so, so look, look, look. As soon as you become a leader, you become a target, right? That's inevitable. Right? 100%. You're going to. You're, you're, you're going to be a target. And as long as you are doing everything right, you should have no problem with somebody filing a complaint because you know you did nothing wrong and you cooperate with the investigation. And it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It happens to me All almost the time. every month. Almost yeah. every month. And ironically, it's only the people I write up a fire. 
Whoa, wow, look at that, right? What what <laughs> what a coincidence. It's only those folks, right? No, but look, it, it's it's I train my leaders to not to let that get to them. The first few complaints are going to hurt. They're going to hurt the ego, right? But if you've done nothing wrong, you should you should feel, you should be glad to to write a statement, turn it in because nothing is going to come out of it. There's no evidence that exists. Now, here's the thing. If you're worried about turning anything in, my flag, my my red flag, my ears are going to start to perk up. Why don't you want to turn anything in? Why don't why aren't you quick to disprove this? Why are you taking so much time to answer these questions? Now you're giving me reason to believe the allegation. Do not leave me alone with my thoughts and wondering as to what happened. You have the responsibility to quickly quell this and let me know why this isn't true. Otherwise, I'm going to be wondering. I mean, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you wonder if somebody's being sketchy about about uh, giving you information where they're being implicated? Yes. <laughs> Perfect segue. <laughs> Current events this week is brought to you in part by Biasco Industries LLC. <laughs> Every week is something different. That's the official name of the business, isn't it? Every week, yeah. No, it's it's Biasco Industries, but AKA Biasco Learning. Oh, you have a DBA? Yes, sir. Oh, that's so cute. I like Aww. it. Yeah, National Law Review, May 24th, 2022. EEOC DOJ release expectations on employers' use of technology and AI for employment decisions. To help employers identify and avoid the potential pitfalls of using decision-making software, including AI, artificial intelligence. On May 12, 2022, the EEOC released a technical assistance document, a TAD. Ricky Bias, back to you. A what? What's the last part you said? They released a TAD, a, te- a technical assistance doc. Oh, I'll tell you more. Okay, so the Thank TAD you. is part of its artificial intelligence and algorithmic fairness initiative. And the goal here is to ensure that the use of software, including AI, artificial intelligence, comma, machine learning, and other emerging technologies used in hiring and other employment decisions comply with the federal several rights laws that the EEOC enforces. So they do have a artificial intelligence and algorithmic fairness initiative. And through this, they have now officially published a technical assistance document, the TAD. Have you read the TAD? I have not read the TAD. You need to go download this or check it out. By the way, the tad. for anyone listening, Ricky's not a lawyer, neither am I. Nope. And neither of us are speaking on behalf of the government or anyone like that in regards nope. to these things. These are current events. Stop yep. by National Law Review for the full article and everything like that uh, in regards to this piece. The TAD is a 17-page PDF that you could grab online. If you go to the National Law Review's article on, on this and the uh, title of that article being EEOC comma doj comma use of technology ai for employment that right there those keywords should get you the national law reviews article from may 24th and the link to the tad is in there and this technical assistance document it discusses how the existing ada requirements may apply to the use of ai in employment related decision making and offers promising practices for employers 
to help with ADA compliance when using AI decision logic or decision-making tools. So the 17-page TAD goes in-depth. It covers ADA basics, algorithmic decision-making tools, and reasonable accommodation. Unbelievable, right? Algorithmic decision-making tools that screen out qualified individuals with disabilities. They have a whole section on that, and it's very comprehensive. Actually, it goes up to bullet point 12 there. Bullet point 13 on the list goes into algorithmic decision-making tools and disability-related inquiries and medical examinations. And then this moves into promising practices for employers in point 14. Ricky, it's very comprehensive. Uh, The next piece here goes into promising practices for job applicants and employees who are being assessed by algorithmic decision-making tools. So this also goes into uh, Nick Ryberg. He was on the program talking about the predictive index. This goes into you mapping yourself and some things that are available out there. You want to talk about screening employees and running background checks. Is that employer officially following Tad? Balake, back to you. Balake. <laughs> so so here, here's, here's what I find weird about that. Not too long ago, actually, ever since I started my career in human resources, I've always been told that never make a decision based on your emotion, base it on data. And that's always been true. When you interview, you write down the information that's relevant to the job, not personal information about the employee. And data is the same thing that AI runs off of. And now I'm hearing that AI, which runs off data, runs off oogles and oodles and oodles and oodles of of information. None of that's even a real word for what I'm saying right now. But a lot of information based on data that it can also be discriminatory. So now algorithms can discriminate? Yes. How is that possible if it's focusing on only data and not human emotion? You got to read the TAD. I don't want to read the TAD. Tell me. No, you're in HR. You really do have to read the TAD. I'm not going to read the entire thing. It is a beautiful 17-page PDF from the EEOC uh, linked through the National Law Review article. Anyone in human resources that does anything with hiring or onboarding, it is suggested just to give it a read. If you use a software vendor uh, to assist with your processes, and if you have questions, contact your vendor. You know, I, I wouldn't reach out to the publisher of the article in the National Law Review or call the EEOC directly. I mean, you could. I'm sure that they'd be happy to help decipher things. But, you know, talking to your private sector vendors, talking to your uh, people that make the software, make it the software in the middle of the night. Uh, you know, you talk to them then make it the squared away. When did you become Italian? When did that happen? (laughs) From the time I was born. Oh, got it. It's time for Florida Man Story. (laughs) I was about to. (laughs) Sorry. Florida Man Stories this week is brought to you in part by uh, Pupcake, the reason we're here. He's dead, dude. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) <laughs> I can't believe I'm laughing about this. <laughs> wow. Anyway, go part ahead. Part of the reason Keep we're here. Part of the reason we're here, Rick. That dog is part of the reason that we're here. <laughs> Why are you laughing, Florida man? Come on. <laughs> that dog is part of the reason that we're here. You use know, that dog dude. in presentations, <laughs> in HR I, presentations. And here's and wouldn't you picture? A, a 252-pound or a 220-pound Puerto Rican guy walking down the street with his little dog, Pupcake. 
Right. Shampoo oh, you just caught, you caught yeah. me off guard with that. Damn, nah, you remember okay. all my presentation. That's cool, man. Oh, you have you no pay idea. Attention. Thank you. No, I don't I pay attention. I've seen him so many freaking times. I, I, <laughs> all right, so this uh, this Florida man story is going to take us back over to Brevard County. <laughs> the face is from there. The face of the franchise is the man on the cover art, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. and the story is not about him. However, it, the Florida man story does come from the same county where a Florida man is facing charges for allegedly using an improvised explosive device to blow up someone's mailbox over a dispute about landscaping. According to the arrest affidavit, neighbors in Brevard County called 911 on Thursday night, May 19th, after witnessing an explosion of a mailbox on their street in Merritt Island. The report citing an EOD, Explosive Ordnance Disposal members, said the force of the explosion bent a street sign located next to the mailbox and sent shrapnel 50 feet away. Wow. Another person said the device was considered to be a manufactured destructive device, manufactured destructive device, which could include a bomb, grenade, pipe bomb, etc., and was not put together hastily. The gentleman who shall remain nameless... But in the articles you'll find, he is named 29 years old. He was booked into jail on several charges, including making or possessing a destructive device, possession of a destructive device to cause bodily harm, and aggravated assault. Now, according to the report, the homeowner told deputies that he was sitting on his bed when he heard a loud explosion go off and saw his mailbox blown up. He said he moved into the home 48 hours earlier and was informed that the people who moved out owed the landscaper money. Neighbors said that the gentleman who exploded the explosion, the exploder, the explodee, I don't know how that goes, but that guy who reportedly, uh, the uh, the alleged exploderer who reportedly managed lawn care for some neighbors in the neighborhood, believed he was owed money from the previous homeowners. Though the quality of his work was questionable, according to the report. <laughs> so they actually went out to check the scene and they're like, well, he cut lawns around here. Well, yeah, yes, he did. He cut my lawn right there. Well, that doesn't look like a good cut job. Why are you talking like the face? <laughs> this is uh, he's a questionable landscaper. I mean, I, I'm just picturing how that investigation went down. So um, anyways. Another neighbor said that uh, the landscaper gentleman who allegedly exploded the explosives called to collect money and was told to stop by another day, but showed up at the house the same day. Well, he left, stopped at a nearby mailbox, which then exploded, according to the neighbor's accounts and the surveillance video. It's unknown if the gentleman spoke to deputies after his arrest, and the arrest affidavit also indicated that the gentleman was actively on probation and parole and was labeled a violent felony offender of special concern. He's not said to be released from probation and parole until April 2024, according to the report. So, Ricky Baez, the full show is coming full circle back to you. <laughs> so, what I would ask is, does this person own their own last skanking co company, or does he work for it, an organization? It, it doesn't say that he owns it. It says that he's a landscaper. It didn't say of what organization. But because it did not he, state that he owned the company. If he owns it, that means he couldn't get a job because of his background, and he just proved to everybody why he shouldn't get a job. Because apparently, if he gets pissed off, he puts a bomb that says shrapnel 50 feet away? 
That's grenade level type of mortality. I mean, come on. How bad? How good is this lawn, right? That you worked so hard on or that a, you did not get a pay a, a paycheck for that you want to blow up somebody's federal federal property. Or according to the police, how questionable the lawn care was. <laughs> right? Could you imagine the cops going out to do an investigation? Now, let me put this in this report. Now, I landscaped for five years, and this does not look at this as questionable. Let's put that in the report. Who cares if it's questionable or not? So if you put that as questionable, are you giving an indication the quality of work has any kind of a uh, of an influence into how you should attack this person? Right? <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Oh, my God. <laughs> so, that, I mean, that's what I'm hearing, right? I mean, come on, but I'm so glad that's not the face of the franchise. I talked to him the other day. He wasn't in jail, so I'm glad that's not him. By the way, his work is not questionable. He does an amazing job on his lawn, um, so I don't think it was him, so kudos. But look, I don't know how bad things can be that this is how you respond. It's 2022. The report does <laughs> not say whether or not the 29-year-old gentleman um, is a native of Florida. Which, according it to happened in Florida, <laughs> which, according to statistics, native Floridians take up approximately point zero two percent of the population. Oh, come on. You know, that's I made that so statistic wrong. Up. It's point five percent. I mean, come on. <laughs> I made that up. <laughs> but actually, that is an interesting statistic. I, I'd like to research. That's that's an interesting thing right there. How it's many, very rare. Yeah. How many native Floridians are part of the population in Florida? Very rare that I that I run into somebody, and I I I deal with a lot of clients. I meet with a lot of people. Very rare do I meet with somebody who was actually born and raised here. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. It's it's the end of the fourth quarter, ha! and we're winning. Want to know why, JC? Because we're still in the stadium. So you got to pull out that Buffalo Bills train <laughs> horn. Uh, OTAs did start. The Buffalo Bills are getting ready to make their run to the Super Bowl. Fantastic things are happening in the world of football. Feel free to stay in tune with that. Uh, final thoughts on the day. Ricky Baez, over to you. Oh, man. Just hearing that horn it reminded me. I don't know if you saw that video of the United, United Airlines worker who got no. into a fight with that former... No. You have not seen this video? No. So, Can you pull the oh video up and play audio where you are? I'm looking for it right now. Hold on. Hold on. Keep talking. Let me find it. Let me find it. I have no idea how the train horn connects to jogging your memory. <laughs> I don't know. No, it does because it's football. It's I don't football. understand how the synapses in your brain connect things, but I trust you, and I'm ready to go along with this procedure. Let's, let's find out what Ricky Baez is finding right, in the wide world web. All right, let's see if you can hear this. Hold on a second. I know we're towards the end of the show, but we got to talk about this one. Yeah, sure. All right. This right here is from CBS. And now I got to bring it over there. Hold on a second. Yeah, uh, it was Central Broadcast or uh, like CVS, the drugstore? No, CBS. Oh, CBS Chicago. Okay. Yes. No, CBS in general. Okay, gotcha. There you go. Can you hear it? No. 
There's nothing playing, Ricky Baez. Chicago police are releasing these photos of the suspect in a deadly stabbing on the blue line last night at the Clinton stop. It's the Wrong latest one. violent crime on the city. Where is that coming Tonight from? We're learning the city is spending seventy-one million. I don't know where that audio is coming from. Security guards you hear that? Transit system. Yes. CBS News Tara Molina is always oh, investigating and got her hands on the contract after digging into this Hang on. for weeks. I want to hear this. Tara. Oh no, no, I got rid of it. I got oh, rid of it. Geez. I got rid of it. Here we go. Check this out. Now, this <laughs> so for those of you, so I thought yeah, there was going to be some. The audio is not doing a lot for me here, but yeah, what not, we're seeing no. is a uh, United Airlines worker in a in a man vest, um, boxing with a gentleman in a hoodie. It's a uniform. It's the uniform of United Airlines. <laughs> it's not a man vest. <laughs> well. It technically is a man <laughs> in a vest. I, uh, now, look, here's so what happened. Boxing at the luggage <laughs> check in. They are they are just throwing hands at the United Airlines check in counter. So this uh, a TMZ identified this passenger as ex NFL player Brendan Langley. He was arrested on charges because he started assaulting the United Airlines employee. And what ended up happening, according to the uh, to to the news report, that um, Brendan Langley was taking his uh, his uh, luggage instead of getting one of those carts, he he used a uh, a wheelchair. And the employee asked for the wheelchair and say, "Hey, I need this for a passenger." Brendan said, "No." Words were exchanged, and next thing you know, they get physical. But if you start watching the video, the employee. Through hands first at the customer. Now, this is where the video starts. I don't know what happened before, but using this video as a starting point, he went ahead and just clocked them. The NFL, the ex NFL guy is like, and is any, everybody watching this and clocks them so hard. He falls, starts bleeding. Now he did get arrested. He, he, he got us, he got arrested on, uh, on assault charges, but United Airlines fired the employee. Do you know why? Why is that? For boxing? You never tangle with a customer. You don't get physical with a customer. Not too long ago, United Airlines was just in the news for physically dragging a customer down the aisle of a jet <laughs> of a jetliner, right? And it became national news. But you playing the football stuff and reminding me, I'm like, Kimberly, we never talked about this because this is some of the things, going back to that story I told you earlier, JC, these are some of the things that really we need to be talking about as as employee, as employers, as HR. HR pros, because the next time, the next place this person go gets a job, that job better do a reference check as to why they got fired. Because if they don't do that, and this person works for the organization and clocks somebody in the cafeteria, now the organization is liable for negligent hiring. That's why I heard the uh, the uh, football horn, and I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe we didn't talk about that story. Sorry, I derailed the closing no, remarks. No, no, I no, it's it's you know what, uh, I'm extremely thankful that you did that because it also reminded me and jogged my memory of something. Okay. Let's let you see life from another perspective. They can expand the mind and awareness. These are inspirational quotes. 
That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Inspirational quotes with Ricky Baez. Folks, for the longest time, I've been saying that you need two things to be a leader, a backbone and people skills. I now want to add one more. In order to make sure that we keep employees engaged, in order that we make sure that we keep employees here at the organization and not jumping ship, you need to add an E to that, and that's empathy. If you practice empathy and you take care of what's important about your employees, they would take care of what's important to you. <laughs> and it's not funny. That's right, like, ladies and gentlemen. Just like you said, fire your employees. I did not say that. Ricky Baez, final thoughts over to you. Look, folks, final thoughts. It's look, it's it's people are leaving left and right. You have the you have the power as a leader to ensure that you keep your employees engaged. Keep them engaged, keep checking on what motivates them and actually make those changes in order to keep your employees with you. But you've got to give them a reason to. So my final thoughts, give an employee a reason to stick around with your organization. I know we didn't spend a whole ton of time on it. My final thought for the day is download the TAD. It's 17 pages. It's worth a read. I highly recommend it. Again, National Law Review, uh, May 24th. You're going to find that it's a very, very, very important document. If you are in the world of human resources, it's a very, very good thing to do. Ricky Baez, what are the best ways people can find you? ebias at biasco.com you can call me send me a text send me a voicemail 407-501-8425 go ahead and find us on the your favorite platform to download podcast HR Talk look for us for the screaming face and look for interesting things with JC, he's got some good information out there um, about atoms, good information about the 19, the, the 1400s. Look into it. You're going to love it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm JC. On behalf of Ricky Baez, the face of the franchise, Ricky's entire family that tolerates him, mine <laughs> as well. And the dog formerly known as Pupcake. It's been our pleasure to be here for you. Drive safe. Have a good night. Oh my God. I got to go to the store. I ran out of a double. Sofrito.